Hello everyone, I'm Deborah Augustine, New Narrative's Membership Engagement Manager. During these uncertain and tumultuous times, activists have stepped up to help the most vulnerable groups in our communities. So what happens when activists start to feel burnt out due to all the stress, threats, and trauma they face daily? On this week's episode of Southeast Asia Dispatches, I speak to Katrina Jorin Malemau from Malaysia and Veronica Iswinayu in Indonesia about their experiences and the prevalence of burnout in activism spaces. We discuss how it affects an activist's psychosocial well-being and the role of self-care in creating sustainable activism. Hi, Veronica and Katrina. I thought we could start with some background information Tell me a little bit more about where you're from and the kind of work that you both do. Hi, uh, everyone. I'm Veronica. I'm from Jakarta, Indonesia. I'm now as an activist, I'm joining Purple Coat Collective. It's a collective, a feminist collective who works. We are working on gender, sexuality, human rights and technology uh, in the past few years and also did my concern about activist uh, well-being, especially for psychosocial well-being. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Katrina. I've been a human rights activist in Malaysia since um, 2007, formally. So it's about 13 years now. And my work in the past, um, when I worked full-time around activism, was primarily around migrants and refugee rights in Malaysia. Um, the last few years, I've done bits and bobs of different things um, in the human rights world. Um, I do a bit of teaching, I write sometimes, um, and I'm, I guess, thinking about and working in, um, or trying to work in as holistic a way as possible when it comes to addressing the multiple areas of rights and issues in Malaysia. Great, thank you. Um, So yeah, I think we're in a bit of a unique situation today due to the current pandemic, you know, activists have been on call all day and night. And I think even people who wouldn't normally consider themselves activists are now kind of called to this work, you know, and the pandemic has just intensified what activists were doing before. Maybe I'll talk first about Malaysia. In Malaysia, activists have been facing threats and pushback for the work they do, particularly with refugees and migrant workers. Katrina, you've been involved in this line of activism in the past, and you also grew up watching a family member experience something similar in terms of pushback and attacks. Can you give us some insight into how these things can have an effect on an activist's well-being? Yeah, I think um, there are many, many layers here to to sort of unpack, right? So there's the immediate... um, sense of being confronted by powers that are much bigger than you, so that you know the state, um, corporations, employers, um, and then the public at large who benefit also from the status quo that may be violent and discriminatory towards migrants and refugees. Um, I think that it's two, two things. So firstly, in, in the immediate now, um, there is a very particular format in which this these attacks and this violence um, is manifesting, right? Given yeah. the pandemic, given that, you know, we've been forced to work um, from home, um, a lot more work is in online spaces. A lot of these targets um, are coming through these online spaces. And it is 
it is exhausting. Um, it is, I can feel myself um, pushing back against wanting to um, edit what I say because um, there is definitely a sense of nervousness at times about the um, the lashback that it um, that it can engineer. Um, it is worrying and frustrating to think about your well-being and your friends' well-being, your family, and the people that you're speaking about. Um, I am thinking also about how a lot of these attacks come in through our social media platforms that so many of us set up for personal reasons, right? This is how I stay connected. This is where I find information. This is my sites of joy. And now there are people who feel really emboldened to say horrifying things um, about me or the people that I know. Um, and so that is, um, it also takes away from my sites of, of joy, the ways in which I'm engaging with others. Um, and you can feel that sense of um, claustrophobia um, uh, as a result of it. But I also, I mean, going back to the question around um, growing up in this um, environment of the world where um, my mother was somebody who was um, you know, really harassed and, and she was arrested and um, targeted for speaking up about um, migrants, about human rights in Malaysia. Um, her response was to, to push back, right? So she had a, a deep sense of certainty in what she was saying. Um, and so she carried that truth with a lot of um, pride and strength. And um, her reaction to the attacks was to say, I understand that I am being targeted, but this is not about me as a person. And so I'm going to take this and turn it into a um, much bigger campaign around, uh, around migrant rights, around human rights. And so that was something that I grew up seeing, which gave me um, a lot of strength, right? And part of that is this real clear understanding that I um, and that we have worth and that power structures and oppressive systems may try and diminish it, may try and strip away our dignity, but that doesn't take away from who we are. And so um, I think, I mean, those are some of the ways in which I've seeing how you know, the attacks can definitely affect us, but um, how that was some of the responses that, um, that came to, that, that, I, that, I, that I saw. Um, so Veronica, maybe you could give us who are not in Indonesia a bit of context for what it's like for activists right now and maybe even what it was like for activists prior to the pandemic you know especially working um, on gender issues was it already kind of a hostile environment towards feminists and has the pandemic maybe increased that kind of hostility uh first of all uh katrina it is my pleasure to meet you and the story about you your family and your mother really like uh touch me um, I'm so proud. Anyway, about Indonesia, the effect to activists, lots of activists on digital security attack, like increasing highly, like very high during this pandemic. Uh, and because we also help other activists, other journalists uh, handling like their social media 
several activists even they, they cannot uh, access their social media again for for example one of the feminist platform Condi uh, Institute they they cannot access their Twitter again because uh, it's been taken over by uh, other party and then uh, uh, during this pandemic we're we're facing like very high domestic violence and also online online gender-based violence and it's 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 difficult for us because first of all on the uh, digital gender-based digital violence they also need support the victims need support and then uh, for domestic violence they also need support but we cannot uh, access to the hospital like one of the victims reach out to me and um, at the time i i don't feeling well my my body is i'm not feeling well i don't know because of the stress or anything but i cannot support her i cannot come with her to the clinic to uh, to check on her condition and i ask to the groups who else can accompany her and then i feel so bad because of my condition and, and also because it's this pandemic and then uh, for psychological support, we cannot give psychological support. We 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 are we can of course we can do it online, but usually we have a space. Purple God have space uh, nearby in southern part of Jakarta, and sometimes we just gather there and meet the victims there, and we cannot do that anymore. Yeah, uh, personally, I have no complaints, but the situation out there with the violence the repression and everything is like increasing right that's yeah that's really unfortunate but yeah i think we're seeing um that all over the world like as you mentioned that um gender-based violence is increasing during the the pandemic and some of it's happening online not just physically um i think related to that you know i mean you when you take up activism it is actually a physically and emotionally demanding field of work as you've both pointed out right and it's kind of unique from more typical nine to five jobs some people might not immediately recognize activism as a job or you know work but the side effects of it such as burnout are still very real yeah how common is burnout in this field? How often do you see it happening to maybe your peers and, and friends and comrades? So the word, the word burnout is, is quite loaded, right? And it, it feels to me, um, you know, maybe we, we need to sort of unpack that a little bit and, and, and figure out what is it that we're seeing when we mean burnout. Um, is it a state of being where we are suddenly, you know, or not suddenly, where the end result of it is that we are, feeling so unable to do the work. I think that may be more often than a lot of us want to admit. Um, so I'll speak personally. Ra. I was working you know, very intensively for about a decade um, in this field. And I was at a point where I, I felt like I just could not continue this work. Um, not because I didn't want to do it, not because I didn't think it was important, um, I wasn't, you know, jaded. I wasn't feeling like none of it matters. But I just felt like I, 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 I couldn't, and I don't. I can't even tell you what I couldn't do. It was just a overwhelming sense of um, 
of dread in my own body, um, of not being able to um, name my emotions, of feeling um, like my memory was, you know, had all these big blank spots, um, of just feeling so incredibly tired all the time. Um, and it, you know, I, it came to a point where I was ready to sort of take a break, but, um, um, and then life just has a way of working where like a break was forced uh, upon me, right? So that um, my mother died and at the same time then I had an opportunity to go and, and study and, and so to, to leave the country for a little bit. Um, and I feel like I've been trying to catch up with um, and, and deal with all the stuff that I just didn't know that I, I had to process. Um, and I remember in you know, one of my early conversations with um, my pastoral advisor and now a very good friend um, when I was, you know, went away to study and I was explaining everything that I'd done in terms of my work and, and the grief and this and that. Um, and she said, you know, that it's, of course, you're burnt out. Of course, you're tired. Um, your sto the stories that you carry, that you work on, they stay on your skin. Um and, and that's sort of a phrase that I've been thinking about a lot, right? Um, I think that sometimes we want to do the work in ways where we think we are unaffected, especially when we're working on areas um, of issues or rights that aren't about us directly. So, for example, I am not a refugee. I am not a migrant in Malaysia. Um, I'm working on migrant and refugee rights. Um, so there's a sense of, of being... Um, like there's some distance, but I am listening to stories of pain. I am working through, you know, um, issues that are, are so difficult to hold and to think about. And these are traumas that fill my every day, literally every day. Um, and that has to do something to me, you know, on a individual and an emotional level, on a mental level. Um, and so giving that space to even articulate what it's doing to me, whether it's in, in the language of burnout, whether it's in the language of grief, um, I, I, I need to figure out. And I think, you know, to answer your question about how prevalent it is, um, I think we haven't really given our space, ourselves, I, I would say in Malaysia, at least among a lot of activists, um, that space and opportunity to figure out uh, or to find language to talk about um, how we are feeling, you know? Um, what do we do with these feelings that we carry with us? Um, how do we process it? You know, what What does it mean when we are just constantly responding, responding, responding? I think, you know, it does something to our bodies. Um, we know, you know, when we work with, say, victims of of violence, uh, people who've gone through really traumatic experiences, we know that all of that, your mental well-being um, also affects your physical well-being. So there are links between um, like manifestations of you know allergies and chronic illness and cancer and all of that um, when in communities with um, who've gone through um, great traumatic experiences. Um, how do we relate to that? as individuals who have to navigate um, trauma all the time. I, I think our, our bodies are, uh, are harmed and hurt, and I don't know if we know how to talk about it in effective ways.
Yeah, that's. I think that's very true, and I think yeah, you're right that we haven't really had a conversation about that in Malaysia.、Um, what about in Indonesia, Veronica? How common do you see people struggling with burnout?、Um, is there a conversation around burnout amongst activists? Yeah, I'm agree with Katrina.、So、a lot of、um, older activists, like、uh, older than me. Like they were, they were now around fifties or early fifties. They get a lot of illness, diabetes, cancer, everything. It's because beside of the psychological、uh, well-being, they also don't care about their health. And a lot, a lot of that generation. I'm sorry for them, but go they that in a very young age, you know. Like fifty nine, fifty five, it makes me sad. But the good thing about the next generation of activists in Indonesia, especially the the young ones, now they they start to care about psychological well being. We we often discuss about、uh, mental health issues, and then because we we learned that if we're not in a stable condition, it. Cause danger for our activism. It's danger for our movement, like、uh, for physical security. If you're not focused, something bad might happen to you. You know, and that focus only can be achieved when you're in a very stable psychological condition. And、um, it's in fact a lot of stuff. Katrina already mentioned it. Not only that we are not healthy psychologically, but this、uh, burnout also affects our health, like physical health. Yeah, I think those are very good points about how activism can affect the psychosocial well-being. You've both brought up the physical, the mental health aspects of it.、Uh, do you feel like it's different the kind of impact that activism has than people experience in maybe other sectors? I think.、Um... I mean, yes, there, there are. We'll, we'll have overlaps, but also just the nature of the work is one where、um, we are confronting things that are necessary,、uh, that are in its nature difficult, right?、Um, yeah. And it's continuous. And also, I think that it's not just、um, the immediate that we're looking at, but it is the、um, the socio political. There is also the reality that for most of us, our work、um, isn't going to be completed. Um, in our lifetime, and so that is something that we have to、um, understand and confront,、um, but also not feel despair over. I think that we、um, the things that give me strength is an understanding of、um, how my work now、um, builds to a future that I am not going to live to see, but that my work now is important、um, in getting us there. In getting the next generation of people there,、um, so that's one.、Um, I think also that there is,、um, you know, Veronica spoke a bit about this idea of of sacrifice,、um, and part of that is really true. Like we feel like we need to sacrifice ourselves、um, for the work.、Um, some of us feel that way, but I also think that maybe part of it is the process and the how of our work. We need to figure out、um, how to.、Um, Hold both the pain, the grief,、um, the with also the joy, 
and the um, excitement and the vision and the ambition um, and all of that should be part of our work because you know our work is not just about tearing down and dismantling and addressing harms but it's also about creating um, other worlds right and the yeah. process of our creation needs to be also one of, of joy and pleasure and the best activists that I know are you know, allow themselves to feel that pleasure and that joy and that full-bodied laughter. And you have to create space for that. Um, thirdly, I also think that, um, you know, sometimes the language that we speak around well-being or so psychosocial um, effects can be quite exclusive or they can be sort of like in these very medical models um, and they maybe don't translate well across um, communities. I think we have to figure out what, all of what life work means to us. What does dignity mean to us? Um, and um, and that maybe may opens up a bit um, the spaces for us to to address and think about this and to deal with why we feel shame around some things. You know, what does models of care, collective care, look like? Because sometimes the language around well-being is also very individualistic. Um, yeah. It's a very like neoliberal capital consumption of stuff, um, and and you know if um, and so it is kind of incumbent on activists to reimagine um, what our care and love um, for each other should look like, um, and also just like really quickly on a final point of this, I think that um, we have so much power in um, our understanding of what we go through and we have so much space to really live out that solidarity together right so part of it that I think I know from my experience um, sometimes it can feel like you know you're sort of losing your mind a bit like, can't mm -hmm. anyone see what's going on um, am I just the only one and then when you speak to other activists you're like oh actually no you're also feeling this way and there is strength there is strength in feeling mm -hmm. experiences validated and heard um, and so, um, and, and conversely, though, it can be quite challenging to try and have these conversations with others who are not in this field, because maybe they don't get it, you know, and I don't want to expend more energy translating myself to you. Um, and so we thinking about how to deal with that sense of isolation, but um, connection and solidarity and community among activists is important. Great. Yes, I think that's really true. And I think I want to come back to that later. Um, but yeah, Veronica, do you feel like there's something about being an activist that makes burnout different? Yes, because of course, the vulnerability of activists is different. I mean, like, as a person, we also have to work, have to fulfill uh, our needs, pay the bills. And, and some activists, have other work and then uh, they have to face like two kind of stress uh, to get two kind of situations as an activist is even harder but the issue of activists as far as i know and based on my own experience sometimes we don't know how to stop <laughs> when we are tired like well like for instance you work like eight hours or six hours in the office and then we have to meet uh, uh, victims or um, someone that needs support or another political agenda and then you still go why because you feel 
it's part of my obligation. And then it, if you're in a good shape, then it's okay. You, you, you can manage it. You can go to meetings after the work and everything. But there's a time when you're so tired. Your body say you're tired. You're very sleepy. You have no energy to move. And then you still move. You still, you still support victims. And that big negative energy, your tiredness and everything, and then you get sucked to the problem that the victims you're working with. Don't feel guilty when you have to stop. Yeah, that this 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 world, this political world, not gonna stop. The movement not gonna stop just because we are stopping. You know, we're not stopping. We're not leaving the movement. We're just taking a break for ourselves and have to think that uh, well-being is a supportive and political act because a healthy activist will build a healthy movement. Yeah, and Katrina, just now you said for some people, it's not a choice, right? Especially when your activism is tied up to your identity and maybe just your everyday survival. Um, In the case of refugee advocates and activists and queer activists are also um, activists who come to mind. But for those who maybe aren't tied so directly to this kind of activism, or maybe even for those who it is tied um, to their identity, do you see activists dropping out of organizations due to burnout? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, yeah. it, it, I, I stopped. I, I, I stopped for a while. I had to. Um, and um, I am nervous about also getting back into that full-time um, space because um, I am worried about what what's what that's going to do to me, um, and I think that we it's two things, right? So one, sometimes we talk about it in terms of like we need to care for ourselves because there is sustainability, uh, question of sustainability in our work and in our movement, um, and yes, that is very true. Uh, but also we, we just need to care for ourselves because we matter. Um, and even if we never did this work again, our we still matter. Um, and I think we have to give ourselves permission for that. Yeah. Um, I also think that I know on my end, sometimes it feels like there's guilt. You know, there's, I don't think that um, things will fall apart if I'm not here. Um, I don't think that, um, like I'm a savior in any kind of sense or a hero or anything like that. Um, I don't have a martyr complex, but I do feel a sense of responsibility um, in making sure I don't just leave without addressing, you know, people have trusted me with their stories, for example. Um, how do I, if I wanted to stop, how do I hand that over to somebody uh-huh. else to pick up when I don't know who else is there, who's going to pick it up? Um, or the people in my circle are also struggling, you know? Right. So yeah. what, what do I do? You know, I don't... Um, how do we take a break and and hand things over when all of us are, are really just treading water here? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you've both talked about how activists have this tendency to put those they advocate for before themselves. So we've kind of talked around it, but how do we get out of that mindset for our own self-care? 
for me I believe that collective support is the answer to prevent uh, the burnout respect each other uh, for what method they were prefer to handle their situation their psychological situation uh, and everything but uh, I think as an activist we know that knowledge is power so uh, I think it's important to develop capacity building about psychological awareness. You know what you need, you know how to deal with. Because a lot of stress uh, who cause burnout is not only come from the inside, but also from the outside. So you, you, if you have awareness, uh, you can develop how to deal with the stress who come from the inside and the stress who come from the outside. and find the support that you need. I completely agree. I think the collective care is really important. I don't know if it's a question of just um, us changing our mindsets, right? It's about, I think, reorienting ourselves and thinking, rethinking our processes of work, our relationships of work. Um, are we giving people spaces to fall apart, to, um, to name their hurts? to be vulnerable with us? Um, are we being um, trustworthy enough that somebody, and open enough that someone can come and, and say that they are struggling, that they need to take a break? Um, I think that is, we have to be very deliberate in fostering these trust relationships. Um, I know that, you know, what has helped me is when I have practiced saying that I am not okay, and it is met with um, a sense of um, willingness to really hear it, even if they may not understand, um, it is met by people saying, it's okay that you want to pause for a bit, um, or just pause, um, we'll be here when you're ready. Um, I think that all of this needs to be um, very deliberate, you know. We have to really give room and make space um, for each other to think about our own value and worth, um, and that you know we are just as important as the work that we're doing. Um, we have to practice naming our worth to ourselves. I think you know, um, saying and that I am that I have value, um, even if I don't always believe it, I think it's important that my body hears it. Um, I, it's important that I, I remind myself that um, I need to take time to eat well and to sleep and to um, do all these other things that, are, um, that make us who we are as people. Um, and so, you know, the collective, but also practicing habits in the personal. I think, you know, rethinking these notions of, um, you know, like there's very capitalist notions of put, getting as much as we can out of our work and, you know, the end result, the output, the profit, quote unquote, um, is the most important um, metric and not um, the us in this process. Yeah, so I think there's like many, many, many layers to this. And actually self-care, you know, comes from 
um, was repopularized in the 80s by Audre Lorde, a feminist who said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So her philosophy of, on self-care was picked up by many in queer feminist and activist circles. Moving forward, what do you think needs to change in activist culture? Maybe, Kat, you could start first. Um, yeah, so I think we, we cannot be measuring success as how much we've been able to do just in, in the six months or this one year or this three year based on uh, the grants that we're given. Um, that these are just smaller measures, but we have to keep an eye to the, to the big, bold dreams um, and that we have to figure out how all of this leads to that. Otherwise, I think we will fall into states of despair and we will feel like we are never getting anywhere. Um, and so really rethinking our assessments of, um, of, of movement, of, um, of growth um, is important. Um, and I think finally, you know, um, this space for, for kindness, for patience, for love, um, for trust, for is of values that I think many of us feel like, oh, it's not you know professional to speak about this. Uh, it's not. There's no real room in areas of work to talk about it. Um, but we must um, because you know if we think about activism as not just the the writing of wrongs or trying to you know dismantle, but creating a new, um, then we cannot lose ourselves in that. Yeah. The least that you can do is take care of yourself. So it doesn't harm you more than it's already done by them. I think uh, we have to think that way right now. And like this, this situation that, that makes us an activist is because of a lot of bad things happened. And then if we don't take care of ourselves, uh, it will cost more than it's already done. Um, and uh, I'm agree that it has to be culturally changed in activists. That's why like this, this podcast, it means gonna mean something for someone who listens to it this and support support sometimes support we sometimes support we just see from our nearest collective but when we're talking about a bigger movement we have a lot of friends who also can support us and it's okay if you feel not okay just uh say it and uh, the rest of the community the rest of the collective has to respect that and to be patient, sensitive, non-judgmental because sometimes as an activist we tend to uh, it's just a small problem it's supposed not to break you invalidating other feelings is hurtful so like uh, Katrina said uh, be more patient, be more kind, be more aware of other situation and our situation well, I certainly hope that this podcast will maybe help to bring more awareness to that need and maybe shift the needle on the conversation a little bit. 
I, I think that um, political education is also really important. So when we speak about um, understanding that we are coming under attack, knowing that it is not just about us, but there are these larger systems of power at play. Yeah. So thinking about that, you know, when I said at the start, um, when my mother was under attack, she took it and turned it into this um, much bigger campaign. And I think it comes from the sense of like, I may be just the target, but it's not about me. Um, and that doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself. That doesn't mean that your needs are not met, but there is this um, clarity, right? And you have and to, you know, that it's not because you are, are wrong or that you don't yeah. uh, have um, a, a right to speak up, but this is how power works. And I think about like that belief that we need to instill in ourselves to connect our immediate with the broader political systems. So if I'm, you know, people are saying really um, racist, um, misogynistic um, things oh. uh, to me, um, it's yeah. because I, um, any of that holds truth for who I am but because I understand that that is how systems of oppression and power work. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, really being um, creating that space to connect our individual with the political, our, the personal with the political um, is so important. Um, and also within that, recognizing then therefore that it is not just uh, incumbent on me alone to fight back, that I am not alone in this experience. Um, and that, in fact, we um, there are others who are also, even if they don't know me, they are fighting for my life and my dignity. Um, and so that inter that interconnectedness of our lives and our and our work, um, I think, it gives me strength. Yeah, I think that's a very powerful note to end on. Um, thank you both for coming on. We're we're out of time at the moment, but yes, I really appreciate. Thank you, Katrina, and thank you, Veronica, for speaking to me today. I think this is a really important topic and I've gotten so much insight from the both of you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Our thanks to Veronica and Katrina for joining us on this week's episode of Southeast Asia Dispatches. Next week, be sure to tune in to New Narrative's Political Agenda, our fortnightly podcast series on current affairs in Singapore. And check out our website at newnarrative.com for more stories from Southeast Asia. If you enjoy what we're doing, please do support our work by becoming a member of New Narrative at newnarrative.com join. Memberships start at just 52 US dollars a year. That's just one US dollar a week. Or you can donate at newnarrative.com donate. This is Deborah, wishing all our listeners a great week ahead. Jumpa lagi!